talk about something this morning, a topic that usually gets me in trouble, to be quite honest with you. I, I think we'll be all right in this crowd, but I've had problems. <laughs> Dave said no, but sarcastically, but uh, I've had issues in certain churches with this subject for whatever reason. I don't understand it, but uh, we Christians tend to hold on to our traditions and our customs, our worldly traditions and worldly customs, don't we? And it causes us a lot of problems, and we've got to learn, I think, uh, what to do and how to bury those traditions and customs, because the Word of God is very specific about what we should seek and what our eyes should be focused on, what our ears should be hearing, and things like that. But we'll begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to talk this morning on the subject of Halloween on the subject of Halloween. I've taught this many times over many years. Uh, a young lady that was used to be in my youth group came to me probably 20 years later and said, I still remember that class you taught on Halloween 20 years ago or so. And I thought, really? Because when I was teaching it, you, nobody was paying attention. But people do pay attention, I guess. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20, and you could take this and you could apply it to many things in our life. You don't have to apply this just to Halloween. I'm using it for Halloween because it's an appropriate time of the season. It's an appropriate time to reflect on these things. We're about to come up on it. Our world is rapidly uh, descending into this evil world of all kinds of spirit worship, of all kinds of earth worship. Listen, I'm not going to get political up here, but this isn't a political matter. This whole subject of uh, climate change, that's all wrapped around the, the worship of the earth. It's wrapped around, whether you, wherever you believe in it, where they have taken it is to a point where it's, it's wicked, and it's a, it's a worship, it's a spiritism, it's a humanism, and it's a scary thing, and we need to, we need to examine these things. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 20, the scripture says, But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? This is not me saying this. This is the word of God. The things I'm going to share with you today are coming directly from the word of God. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This isn't Leviticus. This isn't Numbers. This isn't Deuteronomy. This isn't Psalm. This isn't something, not that it wouldn't be as legitimate if I was to pull it out of those scriptures, but this is directly from the mouth of Paul. And he says, listen, you cannot partake of the things that the Lord blesses us with, you cannot partake of the things of the Lord and partake of the things of Satan, of devils. It's impossible. Uh, a house divided against itself cannot stand. You can't have uh, godly things in, in your life and ungodly things in your life. Now, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. I'm not here to tell you to take down your Halloween decorations or not to pass out candy or not to dress your kids up for Halloween. That's your business, okay? You have to live out, you know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and to seek yourself and to do. All I'm here to do is to show you from the Word of God what it says about these things, okay? You deal with it. 
people get it all mixed up. They think I'm telling them they have to. I'm not going to anybody's home. I'm not driving by your house to see the decorations you have on your house. None of that stuff. Whatever you have is what you have. And I love pumpkins. Nobody loves pumpkin spice better than me. I am the pumpkin spice master. I love it. Nobody loves leaves changing. Nobody loves fall. Nobody loves football season better than me. I love this time of year. I love harvest. I, I love all of that stuff. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. We're talking about when it delves into the spiritism of it. So we're going to talk about Halloween. We're going to talk a little bit about Halloween in America. We're going to, I'm going to have to spend maybe five minutes at the beginning giving you some history of how it came about to the United States, just so you have a background of how it began, its origins, and what some of the uh, things surrounding it mean, okay? So, first of all, uh, I, add, I want you to ask yourself, as a Christian, should we celebrate Halloween? Should we celebrate Halloween? We'll touch on that in a little bit. And then what are some associations to, to begin with? What are some things we think of when we think of Halloween? There's jack-o'-lanterns, right? There's bonfires, there's trick-or-treat, there's ghosts, there's bobbing for apples, there's costumes, dressing up, all of these things. We're going to touch on some of these. In the United States, until 1845, Halloween was banned. Did you know that? Until the year 1845. And that's when a whole bunch of a certain group of people came to the United States called Irish immigrants. They came here. And with that, they brought with them, due to the potato famine in Ireland, they came to the United States, they brought with them some customs and some traditions of their land. And they are called the Celtic people. You know the Boston Celtics? It's really the Boston Celtics. We've just Americanized it to the Celtics. But you see, what's their symbol? A little Irish, uh, what are they called? The little Irish? Leprechaun, yeah. A little leprechaun. So... The Celtics, this traces all the way back to the ancient Celtics. And the ancient Celtics, just like many people, were always searching for the spiritual world. They were searching for answers into, you know, the spirit world and, and trying to reach the dead and trying to do all of their things. Their two main feasts, they had two main feasts. Their two main first feasts, the first one was called Beltane. And that was recognized on May 1st. And it was the beginning of summer. And that was their beginning celebration. The second one is spelled Samhain, S-A-M-H-A-I-N, but it's pronounced Sowain. And that one was at the end of summer, and that was on November 1st. Sowain, just to give you a little background, was to them the lord of death and evil spirits. He was what we would consider in similar fashion the Grim Reaper, if you will. He was that kind of character, that kind of person, and that's what they looked at. So Sowain was the, uh, the Grim Reaper, if you will. So Wayne, uh, November 1st, also happened to be the Celtic New Year. So, so Wayne, they believed, was when the division between the two worlds became very thin. Ghosts and spirits were supposedly free to wander as they wished. So at this one time of the year, whatever it was that separated our world from the spirit world, kind of the barrier kind of became thin, and that spirit world could enter into our world, including people who had died, could come back into our world. And this is what they believed. The Celtic priests who held rituals were called Druids. These rituals were sacrifices of usually animals, but sometimes humans. This was done to satisfy their gods, who in turn would make sure that the sun would return after winter. They would offer these sacrifices to this 
false god in the hopes that at the end of winter, the sun will come back for their harvest season, for their planting season, and all of this stuff. I'm here to tell you right now, I've, we've witnessed this firsthand. People are still sacrificing today. It is still happening today. I don't know, you know, we, we don't have an epidemic of human sacrifice here in the United States, but it's happening in other places of the world. But there are still animal sacrifices that take place right here in the United States. When I was in the Army, I lived in a barracks. Uh, I can't remember if it was two, I think it was three stories. I lived on the top story. Well, our common area, you would have a common area where the stairwell was, and it was all kind of open, and then your rooms were inside there. And so you would go down the stairs, and as you went down the stairs, you could look into the common area of the other ones. So I had this guy that lived in the second floor, and I lived on the third floor, and he was a a self-proclaimed Satanist. He worshipped Satan. So every time I'd go down that floor, I'd take a little uh, Gideon's Bible and I'd throw it in that common area where he lived, you know. And he, he, just, he just bothered him. He couldn't stand it. So one day, he crept up to my floor, and I didn't know it, but outside our doorway, he, on the floor, he painted a big pentagram, and he had all kinds of spiritual wickedness. That He had candles and all sorts of things going on there. There's still wicked people in the world. The problem is, when you think about Halloween... It's not just all wicked people. There are decent people that are adopting some of these practices. But it's wicked still. It's wicked still. I'm not calling those people wicked that are partaking of it. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. But we have to be careful. So in these rituals that the Druids would do where they would sacrifice, they would have bonfires. Okay? That we know of as bonfires. I'm not saying bonfires are bad. We've had bonfires at our house. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. If you have a bonfire for the purpose of trying to appease the spirits, then you have a problem, okay? But in these rituals, the bonfire represented the sun and was used to help the druids fight the dark powers. And they actually called them bone fires because they would sacrifice on these fires and what was left? Bones, okay? So bonfire really means bonefire. During the festival of Sowain, the Druids' bonfires would burn all winter and sacrifices would be offered that whole time. The sacrifice of humans stopped around 1600. So Wayne was the supreme night of demonic jubilation. Spirits of the dead supposedly rose out of the grave, graves and wandered their countryside trying to return to the homes that they had when they were living. Frightened villagers would try to offer these spirit, spirits gifts of fruits and nuts. So they were scared to death, thinking that evil spirits were coming back to haunt them, so they would offer gifts. Uh, This is the origin of trick-or-treat. They would leave these gifts out. Eventually, they just left a plate of food or treats on their doorsteps, fearing that the spirits might damage their property or flocks. Sounds very similar, right? If loved ones could come back, so could not-so-nice spirits. So they wanted their loved ones to come back, but they knew that if the loved ones could come back, so could wicked evil people. The only thing that people could think of to protect themselves was to dress up like the evil demon spirits and hopefully blend in, which is where we get what? Dressing up for Halloween as ghosts and goblins and all sorts of things. Souling, S-O-U-L-I-N-G, souling was another form of trick-or-treat. Beggars would go from village to village begging for soul cakes made of bread. The more soul cakes they got, the more prayers they would promise to say on behalf of dead relatives of those giving. Back then, they thought a dead soul remained in limbo and prayer could get them into heaven. 
They still believe that today. <laughs> I won't mention it, but there is a group of so-called Christians that think that they can get their dead, you know, relative, if they pray enough, if they give enough, get them out of hell. It's not, it's, it's not biblical. You can look in Luke 16. There's no, the dead can't help the dead. The living can't help the dead. The dead can't help the living. Only the living can help the living. In parts of Britain and Ireland, this night was known as Mischief Night. People were free to go around playing pranks. Many of these customs were brought to the United States by Irish and Scottish immigrants in the 19th century. When Christianity spread to parts of Europe, instead of trying to abolish these pagan practices, they tried to mix them with their Christian religion. And you see that not just with Halloween, you see it with Christmas. There are many things that we do at Christmas time and Easter that are a mix of, in fact, the, the word Easter is not a Christian word. You find it in the Bible as a reference to a pagan holiday around a god named Ishtar. That's where it comes from. So many of our holidays and our customs and traditions are a mix of Christianity and a mix of pagan practices and rituals. Ever since Halloween has been a mix of pagan traditions and practices and Christian tradition. In the 7th century, Pope Boniface IV introduced All Saints Day to replace the pagan festival of the dead. It was observed on May 13. In 834, Pope Gregory III moved it to November 1st. For Catholics, this became an opportunity to remember dead saints. October 31, 31st then became All Hallows' Eve. Hallows means um, saint. It means saint. Many of the Sowain customs were blended with the Catholic tradition. Bobbing for apples is an ancient custom that believes that snatching a bite from an apple brings good fortune. The jack-o'-lantern is the ancient symbol of a damned soul. Originally, Irish uh, carved out turnips or beets as lanterns as representations of the souls of the dead and goblins or goblins freed from the dead. When they came to the United States, they couldn't find turnips, but they found plenty of pumpkins, so they started carving out the pumpkins. And so on and so forth. Bats, owls, and nocturnal animals were believed to be able to communicate with spirits of the dead. During the Middle Ages, it was believed that witches could turn themselves into black cats. Witchcraft and witches practice Halloween as a high holy day. So that's a brief summary of the origins of Halloween and how it came about. It was not rooted in Christian belief. It was not rooted in innocent traditions. It's a wicked holiday. So then, knowing all that, we have to ask ourselves, should we as Christians adopt Halloween tradition? So here's where we get into Scripture. And we're going to ask several questions here, but go with me to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And we're going to look at a lot of Scripture, so hopefully we'll get through it. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, actually verse 1 goes with it. I beseech ye therefore... Beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Halloween is a worldly tradition. Now, you know, we have to ask ourselves many times, okay, we're not to conform ourselves to this world but there are things that we can't help right we have to go to the grocery store to get food 
And in the grocery store is all kinds of worldly things, right? There's alcohol, there's ungodly magazines right in front of you, there's all sorts of things, there's people cussing and screaming and all this stuff, and there's things, okay, there's things that you have to do. It doesn't mean you have to partake in those things, but you have to be in the midst of them. So you have to use some discretion here, all right? There are people that have entirely abandoned, you know, the things of the world. There are people who, you know, leave everything and go live on a mountaintop. God bless them, whatever, if that's what they have to do. But you have to use some discretion. There's no reason you have to go to a, you have to go to a grocery store. You don't have to celebrate Halloween. Amen? You don't there's nothing, you know, in your needs that you have to do to partake in such things. I haven't partook of it. My kids never put, partook of it. They're fine. Well, Noah's kind of like this. But, you know, they, they didn't miss out on anything by not having Halloween. You know what I do the day after Halloween? The best part about Halloween is the day after Halloween when the candy goes on clearance. In my basement on November 1st, there's two coolers, not just one. There's two coolers full of candy. I spend about $100 on clearance candy. Ask, Noah will tell you. Brandy will tell you. It's crazy. And we have candy until next Halloween. You know, I think it's all gone now because I got fat this year. But it's just all kinds. In fact, when we have, it used to be when we would have a whole family at, at Thanksgiving that would come, you know, whole families. I'd break out the cooler and we'd be sitting around the living room and we'd all be eating out of this cooler. There'd be wrappers everywhere. It was part of our tradition. That's the best part of, I guess I don't have to partake in candy, do I? That's one of those worldly things I should probably shun. Amen? But we don't have to partake in Halloween. Look with me at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So does that mean we're not to love people in the world? That's not what it's talking about there. I think we can use common sense there. If you love staying home and watching football on Sunday morning or going golfing instead of coming to church, that's what it's talking about there. Okay, now I'm not saying, you know, once a year you have, you know, I don't know where, you know, pastors with his boys this this morning and out in the wilderness somewhere camping. I doubt that he got up and went to church. They're probably having a church service somewhere, right? They're probably observing the word and observing this day. So there there are exceptions to the. I'm talking about making a practice of it, and so I just use that as an example. Uh, you know, we're to love God, the things of God. It doesn't mean we're to shun the world completely and not enjoy some things that the world offers. But if you love those things more than you love God, if you love money more than you love God, you're in trouble. If you if you love your family more than God, that's one of those things. So we need to be careful about what we do. Look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 4 through 8. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? 
Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scriptures, scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We need to be careful about what we bring into our homes. Because you are inviting, many times, evil, demonic spirits into your home. I don't believe that a Christian can be possessed by a demon. Because I shared with you earlier, a house divided against itself cannot stand. But those demons sure can affect your life. They sure can whisper in your ear. They sure can tempt you. They can do all sorts of things. Why even put yourself in that position? Just leave it out of your house. That's what this verse says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If your house is decked out in ghosts and goblins and witches and all that sort of thing, you're inviting all sorts of things into your house. I'm just telling you straight up. That's what this scripture says. That's not me saying it. It's what the scripture says. So should we adopt Halloween tradition? We could take it one step farther. We need to be careful about all the... Is it true that Halloween is a worldly thing? Is of the world? There's nothing Christian. You can't point to Halloween and say any of that stuff is representative of anything in the Bible in a good way. So it's obviously a worldly thing. So I just gave you three verses that tell us to stay away from the worldly things, to be careful about those things. So I don't think that we should adopt Halloween tradition. Again, your individual life is your individual life. Now, if we start putting ghosts and goblins up in this church, you're going to have a Clancy tornado in here. Because, you know, we've been to churches before where they, and I know it was innocent, but they handed out candy that was in the shape of some Halloween things, and I didn't go ballistic, but I did make it known. I don't like that, you know. A pumpkin, I don't care, you know, some of those things. But when it turns into witches on the candy, and we're giving it to kids, we shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be doing that sort of thing. And I know and many times it's innocent. Nobody knows any better. Some of that clearance candy I buy, i got to be careful, you know. I got to be careful, you know. Do I want this stuff in my house with all this stuff on it? And I'm not handing it out to kids, but you know, you, you know what I'm getting at. So the next question is, can we Christianize Halloween? Can we take something like Halloween and can we say, "Okay, we're going to Christianize it?" I won't get into details, but we've done that about a lot of things with Christmas. I'm not going to get into it. That's pastor's business here. But we take some things about Easter, we take some things about Christmas and because we don't want to give them up or we don't want to face those things what we do is we Christianize them and we say well really it represents this or really it represents this but it really doesn't and I'm not saying those things are wicked don't get me wrong I'm not up here to tell you a Christmas tree is evil and you don't need to have a Christmas tree because guess what in the rafters of my uh, garage I have a Christmas tree up there okay believe me because I'll be screaming and yelling here in a couple months when I have to take it down and put it up but, you know, we have one. If I had my druthers, it wouldn't be in my house. But some things, after 25 years of marriage, you just give in to. Amen? But we take some of those things and we say, well, really, it doesn't mean it's not anything. It's just something that represents the star. That the, okay, you can 
try to rationalize it all you want, but the bottom line is it's a worldly thing. Not all of Christmas. Christmas is based on a biblical principle, okay, different than Halloween. It is based on a biblical principle, but some of the things that we apply to it that we do are not. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, I don't want to get into every, I don't want to step on too many toes here, but we need to be careful. We can't Christianize Halloween. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. There's no way, you know, I'll give you a perfect example where we try to Christianize worldly things. Now, here I am going to step on some toes, okay? The Lord of the Rings. Uh, even the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, the Wizard of Oz. Well, there's a good witch and there's an evil witch, so that's good. No, there's no such thing as a good witch. Well, the Lord of the Rings is really a representation of Christ. And No, if you want a representation of Christ, read the book. I don't need Hollywood. I don't need J.R.R. Tolkien to tell me what the Bible says. I can read it, okay? I watched... See, I'm not like other people who sit up here and proclaim. I actually go check it out. I turned on the Lord of the Rings. We weren't three minutes into the movie when guess what came flying along next to the main character? A wizard. Uh, Gandalf, the wizard. I turned it off. I didn't need to go any farther. I taught on Harry Potter before. And the people in my class screamed, there's nothing wrong with Harry Potter, Harry Potter, good. And so I went and got the book, and I started reading it, and I highlighted every single thing that was against the Word of God. Half that book was highlighted. And I took it into class. And I told them what I did. And people went nuts. It's just the way it is. We want to, we don't want to give up certain things, so we rationalize them. We can't Christianize Halloween. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? See, you're telling me I can't go to Walmart and shop with non-believers. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's ridiculous. If you're going to Walmart to worship with non-believers, yeah, that is what I'm saying. But if they're, guess what? If they're having a Halloween party at Walmart, I wouldn't go there. Okay? I wouldn't go to Walmart anyway. I hate that place. It's like going to the DMV. I feel like I'm, it feels like a government. I don't know. It feels like a whole, like the unemployment office is what it feels like to me. But it's just, we don't partake spiritually. We don't yoke ourselves together spiritually with non-believers or with people who don't believe like this, okay? Where we lived in Georgia, in our town, all the churches would get together for community service, no matter what they believe, the Catholics with the Methodists and the Baptists. And my father-in-law, our church, was the only church that wouldn't go. Why would we go worship with people and be unequally yoked with people who don't believe like us and have those denominations preaching to our people? Why in the world would we do that? 
and they would Christianize it. No, that's not right. That's what this scripture says right here. Be ye not unequally yoked. We shouldn't have anything to do with Halloween. We can't Christianize it. Look with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm not trying to be ugly, but the thing is, in today's world, you have to be bold. And you just have to lay it out there. Because the other side is bold, believe it. <laughs> They're going to bring it. And so we just have to stand up and say, that, you know, if you don't like someone being bold and telling it like it is, you need to take Matthew 23 and rip it completely out of your Bible. Because Jesus was bold as you could. He called them hypocrites. He called them murderers. He called them whited sepulchers. He called them all sorts of things. So I don't know. Anyway, I got on that rabbit trail. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Is Halloween good? What redeeming quality is their Halloween? Well, kids have fun. So have fun with your kids somewhere else. Take them bowling. Take them, do something. Who cares? It doesn't have to be that. Prove all things. Hold, that, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from evil. All appearance of evil. One thing I hate about Meyer is that the coffee and tea is right in the middle of the liquor. Every time I go in there and I get coffee and tea, I think as soon as I leave here, somebody from church is going to see me coming out of the liquor aisle. They surround it with the liquor. I'm sure there's some sort of rhyme or reason to their thinking. I don't know. That if you go in to get co coffee drinkers or also liquor drinkers, I don't know. But I hate that. I try sometimes the aisles in certain Myers, it's at the end. But every Myers is the same. It's always in the liquor. Sometimes it's at the end, so I've got to walk all the way around and not go through the liquor aisle to come in the other end. But it's the uh, abstaining from the appearance of evil, right? What if someone sees me, you know, that I've witnessed to coming out of the liquor place, you know? I went to a, uh, I went to a uh, anniversary party for my best friend growing up, his uh, mom and dad, 50th, year, several years ago. And I lived in Georgia for six years, and my good friend Matt, Matt lived in Atlanta for six years. And the friend who we were there for, his family, he lived in Columbia, South Carolina for six years. Well, Matt and Bill lived together in Columbia before Matt moved to Atlanta. Anyway, I was there, and they were all drinking, but I wasn't drinking. And they're trying to get me to drink. Come on, drink, 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 like in the old days in high school. And I said, no, no, I don't do that stuff anymore. So Matt was just drinking away and drinking away drinking away. Well, about a week later, my brother calls me. And his son was good friends with a kid who lived at that house. It was one of the, one of the people's anniversary. Who the, and he said, hey, Aaron says that his son saw you drinking. I said, that's a lie, Tim. I was not drinking. I guarantee you I was not drinking. In fact, they razzed me for not drinking. Well, he says it was his friend who lived down south with him. I said, well, Tim, Matt, he knows Matt. I said, Matt was there too, and Matt was the one drinking, and we look very similar, and he lived down in the south. No, 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 he swears it was. Well, this kid doesn't know me from Adam. He just heard that it was somebody that lived with Billy down there. But, you know, in retrospect, I wouldn't have even gone. And I would have abstained from even the, all the appearance of evil if I knew it was going to come to this. Because now my nephew thinks I'm out there drinking and carousing and stuff. So we need to be careful. We need to be careful what we do. Uh, 
abstain from all appearance of evil. Listen, Halloween is evil, but at the very, if you don't believe that, at the very least, it's the appearance of evil. Okay? I mean, ghosts and goblins and demons and devils? What, what did we call the night before Halloween in Detroit up until about 15, 20 years ago until they put an end to it? Devil's night. Good night. Do you need any more clarification about what this holiday is all about? It's crazy. Look with me at uh, First John. You know what? I'll just give them to you because we got to get through the other ones. First John four one you could look at, and Philippians four eight you could look at. So the next question is: Who can say that almost all the symbols of Halloween are evil? Witches, monsters, ogres, vampires, ghosts, ghouls, goblins, devils, demons—all portray one thing: evil. Nothing good in any of those things. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, 11 and 12. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Deuteronomy uh, let's go to Galatians since we're closer. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Now watch this. Idolatry, witchcraft. Hey, it doesn't say bad witches, does it? It doesn't separate good witches from bad witches. It says all witchcraft, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. All those things are bad. You can look up later if you want. Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 14. But all of the symbols, witches, monsters, they all portray evil. The things of Halloween are what defiled ancient nations. If you want to write it down in First Chronicles uh, I think it's chapter 10 and verse 13 but Saul, remember King Saul King Saul was killed do you know the Bible specifically mentions why he was killed does anybody remember why it tells us in 1 Chronicles chapter 10 because he consulted with a witch with a medium the witch of Endor who he went to and he wanted the witch to bring Samuel back from the dead. And Samuel did. Either Samuel God allowed Samuel to come back or there was some trickery involved there. But somehow they did speak to what appeared to be Samuel. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 10, it specifically tells us that Saul was killed for that very reason. Because he consulted with a medium, with a spiritist. You can look with me at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31. Leviticus 19, 31. Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Period. By the way, we mentioned alcohol earlier. You ever go down the road and you see a bar and it says spirits on it? Alcohol is a spirit. It's been known as a spirit for years and years and millennia. 
And so that's one of those things we need to stay away from. Uh, look with me at Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. Necromancer means someone who dabbles with the dead or tries to bring the dead back. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. If you have a Ouija board in your house, not just get it, burn it, so nobody else gets their hands on it. It's evil and it's wicked and you need to get it. I'm speaking from experience here, okay? I was brought up, you know, my mom didn't like it, but my dad allowed it. I was brought up to go out trick-or-treating and partake of Halloween. My mom would never let us dress up as those. She would dress us up as hobos. And I think it was just, be, you know, it was just because we were so poor, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have to really dress up, you know? We were already hobos. So, uh, but that's what she would, we would dress up a lot of times as. And so, uh, and then when I, uh, you know, when I went into my teenage years, I didn't really see, you know, that much problem with it. So when you're a teenager, you don't go out trick-or-treating anymore and doing those childish things. You dabble in different things, right? And you start messing with serious things like, you know, going to what are called haunted houses and playing with Ouija boards and doing all kinds. I've seen some real questionable stuff in my life, lifetime. Get away from that stuff, man. Get it out of your life. Get it out of your life. It's based on worldly customs and traditions. For time's sake, I'll just give you the verses. John 3, 19 through 21. Colossians 2, verse 8, and Ephesians 4, 14. We're to stay away from worldly customs and traditions. These traditions have completely infiltrated our culture. Look at the public schools. Do you know they sell? I think they celebrate Halloween more than any other more than any other holiday in the public schools than they do any other one. Look at Harry Potter, the most popular children's book for the last 20, 20 plus years. It's evil. It's wicked. And you know the author of that book claims to be a Christian. It's wicked. It's evil. Harry Potter's normal. Harry Potter's aunt and uncle, who raised him, were normal people. Who were good to him and took him in and raised him, and they ended up being the evil people in the story. For being normal. For being normal human beings, without the powers of witchcraft, and dabbling in that stuff. And that's the way it is. We are objectified as the evil ones. Because how dare you keep your children from Halloween? How dare you let your children partake of that nonsense? You know, we need to be careful about the traditions of the world. Video games. <laughs> Listen, most of us in here are, don't play video games anymore. If you played today's video games, you would be horrified. Horrified. Remember Pong? 
man. You ought to see them today. They're shooting each other. They're, uh, it's wicked. Young people are heavily involved in Satanism. They really are today. And they don't even realize it. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're almost done. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. In whom the God of this world, that's a little g, that's Satan, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So what is Satan's purpose in all this? Do you remember when he tempted Christ? Did he really think that Christ was going to give in to him? I don't think, I don't know if he did or he didn't. But he tried. He left heaven in the book of Isaiah because he wanted worship. He wants us to worship him. He wants to hinder us in our testimony. He wants to hinder our lives. He is a lying lion roaming the earth seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't care if you're a Christian or you're lost. He he just wants a soul. And he wants to affect them. That's his purpose. Halloween, in closing, Halloween does not have even one single redeeming virtue. Not one. I can't think of one. I really can't, other than the candy. Amen. But it doesn't have one single. It is a demon-inspired, devil-glorifying occult festival. Look with me in closing at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27. Ephesians 4:27. Be 26 says, "Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Don't even give him place. Don't even give him any room. Don't give him an opportunity." Is literally what that means. And then finally, Isaiah 5:20. This will be the last one we look at. Isaiah 5:20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter so what should we do on Halloween well if it's Wednesday you should be in church if it's Sunday night you should be in church if it's any other night of the week I'd stay off the roads I'd turn off all my lights and I'd pray amen pray for those that are out there Uh, if you want to hand out stuff people hand out tracts you know, sometimes people do that. And I don't see, you know, if you wrap it in a piece of candy, you know, you don't have to, we don't have to be mean about it, right? Put a track around a piece of candy and give it to the kids. You know, whatever. If you, if you feel inclined to do so, we don't hand anything out. Maybe I'll stand out there and give a sermon on my front porch this year. You know? Kids will skip right by that house. Amen. All right. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll go to the service time. Father, we thank you so much. For your grace, we thank you for your gifts. We thank you for your love and your sacrifice of Christ upon the cross of Calvary. We pray for this time, Lord, this time of Halloween, Lord, and we pray that you would give us discernment, give us wisdom, give us guidance, Lord. And Father, we just pray that uh, you might use this time instead of uh, for evil, but that you might turn it around and use it for good, Lord. And We thank you for this day. We pray for the hour to come. We pray for Tyler as he brings the message, Lord. And we pray for Pastor as he's 
uh, out and about today that they're having a good time. And we just love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen.